Hello and welcome to Cartridge Cinema Club episode 11. Jesus. Uh, my name is Mark Champlin and today I'm joined by Alex Wallace. Merry Christmas, girls and gays. How is everyone doing this morning? It's the mor- I figured it out now. The podcast goes up in the morning. I should say this morning. Uh, we, we're, we're very blessed this week, girls and gays. Not only is it, is it, is it the Yuletide season... <laughs> You uh, missed your opportunity to say, uh, Don, we now are gay apparel, but I'm going to take that time now to say uh, that we're, we're donning it. We Continue. are donning that. I, every morning I wake up and I don don my gay apparel. It's, <laughs> it's the only it's clothes. Been, it's been donned. It's the only clothes that I own. Um, We've been donned. Yeah. Um, but we're, we're very blessed this week because not only did I not have to watch a Mortal Kombat movie this week, there was also no terrifying uh you know realistic cg crash bandicoot movie announced or anything like that uh we're in the clear we just get to talk about a movie that i quite enjoyed (laughs) i you know i I was just listening back to last week's episode and i i gotta say uh not that we're going to do this but but man could i talk for another 20 minutes about sonic the hedgehog um (laughs) we we won't we we, just to be clear it's not gonna happen like you don't have to skip ahead but fuck anyway (laughs) so so this week uh this week we watched uh spy kids 3d game over uh i do want to talk a little bit uh before we get into this movie specifically uh about spy kids um if you for some reason i feel like most people who are probably in the age demographic for this podcast uh have probably seen the spy kids movies but for some if for some reason you don't know what spy kids is they were sort of like a series of like children's action sci-fi fantasy kind of movies uh produced by robert rodriguez um and they have this sort of like severe tongue-in-cheek quality to them they're they're like they're very knowingly made b movies they're like very much created with you know robert rodriguez do do you think so Absolutely. Robert Rodriguez, the man who went on to direct Machete. Absolutely. Like there, especially uh, we're going to get into this a little bit later, but like, like, especially like the adult actors in the Spy Kids movies are like very aware that they're making like very campy, silly adventure movies for kids. And that's kind of the thing that makes them a lot of fun. Um, Yeah. I mean, like when, when I was a, when I was a kid, I I kind of like realized this over the past week, like, thinking about spy kids more uh being forced putting put it having my mind shoved into a position where it was forced to think about spy kids and i think spy kids was like maybe one of my favorite like movie series growing up like i watched spy kids fucking all the goddamn time as a kid like i saw this movie in theaters when it came out and it was i thought it was the coolest fucking movie i've ever seen in my life you, you thought Spy Kids 3 was cool? Yeah, man. Okay, because I was going to say my personal history is somewhat similar in that I watched the first Spy Kids movie um, on, on VHS probably like probably at least once a month uh, yeah. from, age, from ages 8 to 11. Uh, I, I used to have that entire movie memorized like <laughs> word for word. I knew that entire movie like beat by beat i like was obsessed with spy shit the and the, i don't know if you remember but around this time there was an explosion in you know spy uh 
knockoff spy kid memorabilia. Sure. Yeah, like, absolutely. Th- this, this was always a, a kind of toy that would be available, you know, like, you know, x-ray glasses or like little like laser, like light pen that shoots secret messages, all that, all that shit. But like, Spy Kids they def- inspired a comeback. <laughs> Spy Kids uh, inspired a boom in <laughs> A revolution industry. in, the, and, in yeah. the fake spy toy industry. Yeah, I bought a lot of fucking spy toy shit. My, I, my closet was just full of it and I used maybe half of it maybe once. So my parents stopped buying it for me. Uh, but man, did I watch those movies the, they are so fucking weird. They're super and weird. I did want to kind of get into that. Like, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. If no, if you want to get into the weirdness, cause that obviously this movie is just as weird as the other ones, if not uh, further in that Spy Kids direction one is wild. Like, you know, yeah, we I kind of describe them as like sci-fi adventure fantasy because they're really hard to pin down. Like Spy Kids one, like involves like you know a fucking insane like children's television show producer who has minions who are giant walking thumb people, and there's like a dude with like five heads all sticking out of the side of his head, um, and like all it's like this weird like surrealist fucking like it's it's very like 80s fantasy in a way like you know they're early 2000s mm-hmm. movies but it, it has that sort of like fucking like labyrinth quality to it where it's just it, like, yeah it has a bowie-esque yeah, quality to where it where it's very yeah. like weird and unsettling in a lot of ways it's psychedelic and not in like the the lazy were they on acid when they made this uh type of way i legitimately mean like the the inspiration is very clear and apparent uh, that it comes from very colorful and bizarre like artsy type of shit that you would yeah, see in the 70s and 80s and the, and the, the same s- type of music the sets are very like uh uh Joel Schumacher Batman like it's very extravagant oh, yeah. and very colorful um they use a lot of fisheye lens it's very like it everything is really exaggerated um and so uh, and, and so you were disappointed by by Spy Kids 3 growing up. Yeah, well, so I don't specifically remember being disappointed by Spy Kids 3 as an emotion as a child, but I can tell you that I Spy Kids 1 like changed my life like <laughs> ir- irrevocably. Uh and Spy Kids 2 uh had the part where they create a Big Mac out of thin air. Spy Kids so 2 I... has Steve Buscemi in it and <laughs> And it has a half gorilla, half spider in it. So that's a quality film, if I've ever heard of one. There was just a lot of memorable shit in both of the first two Spy Kids movies. And um, I I only saw Spy Kids 3 once, and it was in the theaters. I never owned it uh, when it came out. But I I don't remember ever, ever having the desire to go back and watch it again. And I remember hating the 3D in the theater i thought it was lame and i watched i took the glasses off and just settled for like lame blue red uh vision because <laughs> uh, th- this movie was it's pre you know real 3d pre uh, expensive disney patented 3d movies these this was literally like like the magic eye puzzle 3d that you get in like a comic book but extrapolated to an entire hour and a half movie yeah and we don't it and looked, we don't, it looked and terrible. we didn't get that on this on this run through of it and like it's funny because like when when you watch a movie 
that was made in 3D uh, and was, like, made during the era when, like, not everything was made in 3D. So the fact that it's in, it's in 3D is, like, a novelty gimmick instead of just, like, a way to show the film. And so, like, there's always, like, stuff flying by the screen and, like, all kinds of, like, unnecessary, like, things being shoved into your face because they're it trying to... It is nonstop. They're trying to milk the 3D thing. So it's always really funny to watch that. That's <laughs> like, hilarious. Yeah, when, when you're watching it on just, like, your computer monitor at home and like it's even better in this movie because like the ha parts of this movie are not in 3d um and and the characters have to like take on and off these like virtual reality glasses and in the version of the film that i watched just now like it was lacking the like pop-up overlays that were there in the original theatrical cut that are like put on your fucking glasses dipshit i i was i was hoping for that but i think uh, you only get that in the version that's that is actually 3d yeah uh but yeah so i didn't get that but i remember there being i I remember there being, and I could be remembering this wrong, but I think the scientists in the lab like directly address the audience at one point <laughs> in the movie, and they say, "No, anytime that Junie puts on his glasses, that's when you put on your glasses too." I'll I could believe be that that's that true. I mean, okay, so I've watched this movie twice. I watched it as as a literal child in the movie theater, where I thought it was the greatest film I had ever seen, uh, because I was a dumb kid that liked video games. Uh, and then I watched it as a 19-year-old in my college apartment uh, where I was very drunk and my roommates and I decided to watch all of the Spy Kids movies. Um, so, in you know, okay, you know, when you, when you sit down starting at 2 a.m. and you're like, all right, y'all, we're going to watch all of the Spy Kids movies, by the time you get to the third Spy Kids movie, you're, you're really not watching it with a critical eye. <laughs> So, and you're pretty goddamn drunk oh, by that yeah. point. If you've been drinking even slightly steadily, you're pretty smashed by the time you get to Spy Kids 3D yeah. colon game over. Which is a, which is a difficult film to watch sober, um, because it is it is kind of hard to look at in a lot of ways. Um, you know, so like the Spy Kids movies are like very quintessential like early two thousands movies in that they are using tons and tons and tons of CG and tons of tons and tons of really bad CG. Um, but I guess we haven't talked about the plot at all. It's unimportant. D Junie Cortez from the first two Spy Kids movies. Uh, he's he's a film noir character now. Uh, oh, shit. Yeah, I did want to talk about the intro. I didn't write that down in the notes, but I, I did laugh a lot at the, the idea that he is he's left uh, the disgraced. Yeah. He's a disgraced former agent. And he's like who nine. Who now does freelance work yeah and he yeah i i had a i had a moment where i was like how are they supposed to be like six years old or 12 i can't i'm really bad at judging kids ages but like i'm pretty sure these seven-year-olds are like in love yeah anyway it's weird um and then and then and then he has to go inside of a video game and defeat sylvester stallone and that's pretty much the entire he's got to rescue his sister and that's pretty much the plot which means that 99 percent of the movie takes place inside the video game uh, and because of that, <laughs> the entire movie is filmed on a green screen. There are maybe two practical sets in the entire thing, and it is... It... I can only think of one practical set, first of all. I... Uh... <laughs> I can't think of a second one. His 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 treehouse or his home or whatever his apartment. Yeah, and that's, there's that's like the set. science lab, and and it sucks, you know, uh, because th it feel this movie 
feels like it was made before it was possible to make this movie. You know, like it wasn't mm-hmm. really possible in in the technology at the time to produce a film that takes place entirely within a virtual world and have it be convincing using just CGI. Th- this was the Ur pixels. <laughs> Like when you think about I mean, it's it, the, I mean, it's the, in a lot of ways it is. It's but. the Ur-Tron legacy, you know. Yeah, that's the actual answer. Yeah, like it, it's like it's like they're they're trying to create like a visual style that is just not possible at this point in time, and so all of the characters just like look like they're like superimposed into fucking Toontown or like fucking lego racers or some shit like just you know they it the game looks like it takes place inside like a mid to low budget video game (laughs) did did you um did you notice like well was there any sort of quality control for cgi back then like did 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 that job exist where like someone could come by and say whether or not the cgi was good yet uh because i don't know there's there's basic technical errors like or maybe maybe the rendering software couldn't handle it yet, but like that no one had a shadow this entire movie. <laughs> yeah. There was no shadow. I mean, that's the thing is that you could excuse basically anything about the visual style in this movie by saying, well, it happens in a video game. So it makes sense that it looks like that. Oh my uh, God. It's, fu- it's fucking free. It's so smart. Yeah. It's, it is, it is very hard to describe the, the look of it. Uh, we get the glorious return. Let, the the triumphant return of mid two thousand CG goo not just not just a scene of mid two thousand CG goo mid two thousand CG goo throughout the film if you if you're looking for a movie that could really deliver on that nasty ass fucking filthy <laughs> fucking dirty beats mid two thousand CG goo Spy Kids three D colon game over is here to to provide that for you Look, goo goo <laughs> flows through this movie's veins. Goo is the lifeblood of this movie. There's, I can think of three different colors slash materials that the goo acts as if it is. There's a part where Junie is having a a, a light faux lightsaber fight with someone, and he conjures ice out of mid two thousands goo, and the goo solidifies into ice. There's a part where they're surfing on lava, and that you and get tons of goo in that. It's really the lava it is, is a, just it orange is a, goo. It is a mid two thousand CG goo du jour. Uh, I I <laughs> loved it, um, and so I do want to. Uh, <laughs> it I do want to talk about like this movie versus the other Spy Kids movies, and I think to understand like why this is not as good as the other Spy Kids movies you need to understand why Spy Kids is good. Um, and I think the thing that really does make Spy Kids, like, so entertaining and why the the first two are sort of, like, still, like, kind of tug-in-cheek beloved by people is that, like, it is that, like, very knowing quality to it. Like, you know, Robert Rodriguez is this director who is, like, so obviously aware of how kitschy the movie is and also has the connections to get a bunch of, like, staid Hollywood actors to come, like, act in this completely ridiculous farce of a film. And so Was you... Spy Kids his first kids movie? Yes. Is a quick question. Yes. Okay, you know, because 
he, Spy Kids succeeds so much as a as just a really good kids movie. Yeah, like like Robert Rodriguez is mostly known for making like campy horror films and 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 B movies and that kind of thing. And so like he brings that sensibility to these and like getting to watch you know actors like Antonio Antonio Banderas and like George Clooney just being just like chewing the shit out of the scenery and just saying these ridiculous things and then the child characters who are it's like they're child actors and they're just given the roles of adults you know like they're just made to say like the lines that like a fully like grown adult protagonist would say in the film but they give it to a nine-year-old there's something very very uh like something very sincere about the children in these early spy kids movies and maybe not so much this one we'll get to it but um there's there's a very sincere charming quality to the main characters in like the original spy kids where that they you can tell that like this is like a big deal for them to be like starring in like a fucking movie and they're really acting their hearts out and the fact that the material is good and the fact that you can suspend your disbelief because you're already doing it because the movie is so fucking balls to the wall wacky that like it's it's very easy to buy the premise that these kids can handle these crazy adult scenarios yeah. and they can like rescue their parents yeah and 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 so the reason that this one kind of falls apart i think it's like it's a couple things one is that like most of the movie takes place inside the video game world uh and it's like junie and some other kids that he meets inside the video game world uh and you don't get a ton of the adult actors like hamming it up which is like what you're there for really like you're there to see like antonio banderas like mug at the camera and say something fucking absurd um and you only get like a scene or two of that you know and then the other thing is like one of the things that makes the first two movies a lot of fun is uh like Junie and Carmen the two main characters like have a like really believable and entertaining like little brother and older sister dynamic. Um, That's so good. I was obsessed with them. It's, I wanted a I wanted an older sister back when yeah, I was that, Yeah, like that movie reminded me of, you know, growing up and having an older sister. Um and you know like she's only in like maybe 10 minutes of it it's mostly about Junie, and he's just jumping around in front of a green screen like all the action scenes are terrible in this because you know because it is taking place in this like completely fabricated reality like in and outside of universe there's like no stakes to any of the action scenes it's just a matter of seeing like what ridiculous fucking like cg thing they can throw in your face there it's not really like there, there's no tension to any of it no there's there's no tension because uh first of all we know it's a video game and second of all the the consequences for losing the game are never fully explained like they don't go full if you die in the game you die in real life uh which i i, I came into this movie expecting them to do that that's what i remembered from a child but they totally don't do that if you lose all your lives they i mean ostensibly they die i guess but they don't like outright say it so there's just yeah there's really no tension to speak of at all because and also we don't understand what causes people to lose a life because it just seems kind of random yeah the 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 plot is not exactly the most well explained we'll kind of get into that a little bit more later um but i do want to say that like i think i enjoyed watching this movie 
probably more than any other movie on the podcast so far. And I think the reason for that is it still has that very particular, like, the people, like, when you watch Mortal Kombat and Mortal Kombat Annihilation, there's less of an awareness of what is being created. There's there's less of a, like, it, when you watch those movies, you get the impression that some of the people that were making it were in on the joke. Maybe, like, a couple of the actors and, like, one of the people in the writer's room, like, kind of got what a fucking dumb thing that they were making. Spike mm-hmm. Kids 3D from start to finish, every single person who shows up on that screen, I mean, outside of the kids who by definition cannot be in on the joke, uh, like, all of the adults actors and, like, just the, the, the script and, like, the way that everything is delivered is... There's so much awareness of what a dumb, like, cheesy movie they're making. Like, all of the, you know, actors are, like, just owning these ridiculous fucking lines that are being put in their mouths. And you, you can you can tell that uh, you can tell that in Mortal Kombat that those actors don't like want to be there no. necessarily. Yeah, but but you're right in this movie, like Ricardo Montalbán uh, with presumably just his head being filmed yeah, because seriously. his entire body is just a CG mech. Yeah, can we real quick time. can we touch on that? <laughs> Judy has the opportunity to bring anybody from outside the game into the game to help him. He picks his grandpa because because his grandpa is in a wheelchair and because he's in a wheelchair it means that all of his other attributes are twice as strong and then his <laughs> grandpa gets transported science. into the video game and he then is in like a power armor suit for the rest of the movie and just looks ab- and he's like 10 feet tall and just looks absolutely fucking gaudy and like horrible <laughs> and like for half the time he was there i thought only junie could see him <laughs> but what actually is the case is that no everyone can see him he's just not there the whole time they just he don't just kind of shows up in scenes he, he has the power to like turn invisible but it's never mentioned because he definitely <laughs> does that with the, the the programmers uh I, I did think it was funny when they had like the programmers uh show up and they're, yeah, they're so these two they're, uh, the, like the programmers are like co- coming after judy to stop him because the video game is evil it doesn't matter yeah they look but like they, goths when they show up. They, they they look like like agents from like the Matrix. Yeah, or they some look like other... techno goths, crypto. Yeah, they, crypto they goth. look yeah, cri- crypto crypto goth like leather duster, nineteen ninety nine ass motherfuckers, and, and then, then grandpa <laughs> is like, let's see what you really look like, and then he like does a he does a weird scanner thing, and then they they look like a couple of nerds, and everyone yeah, laughs and at them for being one nerds. of the characters goes computer nerds and <laughs> i thought it was so funny i i like screenshot the the before and after of them and the idea that like the the, the leather duster looking guys were like we're really any cool co- any yeah. cooler yeah. than than a guy wearing you know a button-up shirt and glasses <laughs> is very laughable looking back yeah they're they're so there's like occasional mo- moments throughout the movie where like and this is true of all of the spy kids movies where like you you get a like 
something just pops in to remind you that, like, hey, the people that are making this are, like, actually competent, like, smart filmmakers, and they're doing a goof with this movie. Like, there's mm-hmm. a, or, or, like, so, like, hey, Robert, like, the, the writers and the script, it's like, oh, hey, we actually know how to put together, like, really good line. Like, there's the famous uh, kind of moment in Spy Kids 2 where Steve Buscemi has that line where he says, like, do you think that God stays in heaven because he too fears what he has created? <laughs> you know? And my, my favorite one of those in this movie is uh, the the character Rez, who is, like, the, the older leader guy. He's kind of, like, a cool badass kind of dude. And, like, when the when the... When the other assorted chitlins are first introduced, he's, like, sitting on top of a thing, and Junie's like, oh, I get it. You guys are beta testers, because you guys got to play the game before everybody else. And he goes, yep, one of the first to run free these coveted digital hills, my friend. And he's, like, kind of, like, looking out over the fucking, like, landscape and shit. And it's like, oh, yeah, by the way, we, like, (laughs) we can structure a fun sentence. Yeah, it's like, oh, by the way, we we know this movie is is a pile of shit. (laughs) We... It's like, by, by the way, parents, we, we know you're here with your dumb kids. Yeah, and you're it's... here to see Antonio Banderas, <laughs> but you're going to have to wait because he's only in the last five minutes. Yeah, it was, Um, I did enjoy the last five minutes with the, the rogues gallery yeah. of uh, of characters from the past movies. I did like that Alan Cummings comes back, Um, and I had forgotten how much I loved that floop character uh, <laughs> as a kid. Because I remember, you know, this movie came out in, the first one came out in two, 2000. I was seven years old. Like, this was one of the first, you know, movies that, like, has, like, a, an actually structured... This was one of the first, like, competent movie-ass movies that I was old enough to appreciate. So, like, Floop's, Floop as, like, a villain was very, very influential on my, like, my, like, young mind. Because he actually has, like, a redemption arc. He's He's really creepy yeah uh, and we have like reasons to fear him that's another thing this movie lacked uh as far as like a, a like a cool kids movie goes is uh well i do love sylvester stallone in this movie <laughs> uh i i loved every moment we of get him. we get four sylvester stallones in this movie <laughs> we we get literally like uh um you know like those like joke like actor headshots where it'll be like this is me happy this is me and like a sailor (laughs) it was like that but sylvester stallone (laughs) talking to digital ai versions of himself one of which is like a bearded hippie the other is which a army colonel it's like sylvester stallone (laughs) is like kind of doing his best tim allen in this movie (laughs) oh totally that's a really good uh call Yeah. yeah he's like just mugging super hard and like yeah like you said they don't really uh like, there's this sort of, like, a relationship between Sylvester Stallone and Judy's grandpa where they say multiple times that Sylvester Stallone is the reason that Judy's grandpa is, like, in a wheelchair, but they never That was, that was a surprisingly real moment. Yeah. Like, when, when we finally find out, like, what what happened, I was like, oh, okay, like, they they were both spy kid guys. Yeah. And it, he it's, fucked up. It's another one of those moments where, like, Robert Rodriguez is just like, oh, yeah, by the way, I know how to make movies. Like, just, just so you know. Because, like, there's that mm-hmm. it's that scene where the grandpa is telling Sylvester Stallone, like, yeah, I can't, I, you know what, like, not having my legs took away from me. I can't walk on the beach with my wife. I miss my, yeah, my, so my daughter's birth and, like, all of this shit. And they, like, have a heart to heart. But none of it, like, really lands because they never show or explain what the betrayal between the two of them was at all like i thought that sylvester stallone had like 
crushed his legs, <laughs> but, but it they turns don't out explain it ever. We we don't know. Yeah, yeah they and yeah, and so I want to talk about the cast a little bit. Um, and you know we've touched on Sylvester Stallone. He uh is again <laughs> like all of the adult actors are just going for it so hard. Like Antonio Banderas in the five minutes that you get him is just chewing the ever-loving shit out of the scenery. He, like, knocks a bunch of science shit off a table and then flies away on rocket shoes and then goes to punch a robot. It's it's what you want. Like, if, if folks out there, listen, if you were looking for a movie where a man in a rocket wheelchair flies up to a giant robot so that he can go confront... So, the giant robot which looks like Sylvester Stallone I should clarify and he has to go inside the Sylvester Stallone robot's head in order to confront Sylvester Stallone this movie delivers on that promise yeah, I, I, I did want to mention that I have the words Mecha Stallone written <laughs> in my notes I hadn't put them on the screen but yeah we have we have not only hundreds of monkey mechs but this movie's a goddamn nightmare like real quick <laughs> like this movie is fucking scary Gary, when I saw the giant robot monkeys, I have remembered that was the only thing that I had retained from this movie from when I saw it as a 10 year old was me at 25. I saw those robot monkeys and I was like, God damn it. I remember those robot monkeys. They scared the shit out of me. <laughs> the only thing I retained. So, so like once again, like a, a competent movie maker did clearly designed that moment to be kind of scary and weird and yeah. to make you feel something. It's a surreal film for, for sure. And it also feels like a movie where they cut a bunch of shit because like, there's a lot of plot threads that just don't go anywhere. You know, Ale Alexa v Vega or the, the girl who plays Carmen, she's only in like 10 minutes of it. Uh, she's got a cool fucking claw when she shows up that I thought that was pretty dope. Um, you know, the plot is just kind of like a random string of events where they go from level to level and, like, have to fight each other. Like, Judy has a girlfriend, question mark. There's, like, a female character who just is kind of, like, defaulted to be the love interest. Um, and then it turns out that she's part of the video game and is going to betray them. And so you, you're you supposed to feel something about that, I guess. But, like, they don't really establish a relationship between the two of them. So you you don't feel anything about it. Like, there's very little character development in this movie. No, the, this movie has, like, borderline zero <laughs> character development. And I don't think... I This this movie really... They, they needed to get these motherfucking kids into the video game as soon as possible. And they needed to keep them there for as long as possible for as much... 3d shit to be thrown yeah. at the screen as possible that's really the reason this movie was made i don't i feel i feel almost as if the first two spy kids movies were <laughs> dare i say essential um <laughs> in that not not necessarily that they were essential to the culture but i mean the the filmmakers really had two movies worth of material inside of them with this premise of like the kid spy organization really solid movies i feel like they had to make a third one because it was popular and they said fuck it every weird fucking thing 
that you can think of. We're going to shoot the whole thing in front of a goddamn green screen. You can put whatever random bullshit you want in it. We got fucking George Clooney here. He's going to say some words. He's, George Clooney is um, going to play the president and do a Sylvester Stallone impression at one point. There's a really great part in the end credits where they, because like there's a part where like Sylvester Stallone takes over a TV and pretends to be the president, and then the president is George Clooney, and then he turns into Sylvester Stallone. But like there's a part where he's like half George Clooney and half Sylvester Stallone, and there's a really great bit during the credits where they like show the take of him recording having to do the Sylvester Stallone impression, and at the end George Clooney just kind of starts laughing and says, "That's probably the end of my career right there." <laughs> little did he know it sure was um, <laughs> and now and then we never heard from the old old george ever again yeah man too bad we never got a, a men who stare at goats too <laughs> i i don't i don't know george clooney movies <laughs> uh, up in the air that's the one where he has a questionable relationship with ellen page anyway the most important thing about the film the 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 most baffling aspect of the entire film uh and that is the concept of the guy we need to talk about the guy oh oh my god oh my god how 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 did i not like spoil this earlier it's 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 elijah wood but okay no hold on there's so we'll go back okay (laughs) so so throughout the so i actually really like this setup a lot um because i think it is like it, it it reflects the way that like kids talk about video games that are new and exciting to them and spread rumors about video games. Um, I think you're right. Yeah. yeah. So like, uh, you know, the name of the the name of the video game that they play is called Game Over, which is a terrible name for a video game. Um, I thought it was lame when I was a kid. I was like, yeah. why the fuck would they call it Game Over? It's super lame. Um, and the the logo for the game is like has the two words, and then there's like a kind of like half silhouetted dude in like power armor standing in the middle, and they 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 call him the guy, and they're like, you know, whoever whoever is the guy is the one who will be able to finish the game. We gotta, you know, if you if and then then eventually, you know, they become convinced that Junie is the guy because he wins a race and kind of and he wears the same power armor so that he they think he's the guy and he's basically like a christ-like figure uh that will lead them to salvation so and he himself buys into it because absolutely. everyone around him is calling him the guy and he's like fuck it i guess i'm the guy yeah and 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 but they're like very obviously setting up for judy to end up either like ironically end up actually being the guy but like in like a you know kind of like oh the power was inside you all along kind of thing and anyone could have been the guy if they were willing to step up that would have been a much more interesting way to handle this uh you're giving them way too much credit yeah you know that is probably how you know i i would have maybe written it instead they make the absolutely fucking baffling decision (laughs) <laughs> to have at one point in the film in which the characters are in some form of predicament, mainly getting past a door uh, and then completing level five, which is supposedly unwinnable unless you're the guy. Uh, Elijah Wood appears in a beam of light and says, <laughs> "Like and textbook Deus Ex yeah, Machina, like, like literally couldn't be more." He so. has like a shining white light behind him, and he says. <laughs> I'm the guy. <laughs> and he's like really confident and everyone's kind of like, you know, jerking him <laughs> off metaphorically, not literally. It's a children's film. Calm yourselves. Yeah. Uh and, rated, rated G. And uh, and Elijah Wood goes to the door to level 5. 
He opens it up because he's the guy. He walks into the level, and he dies immediately. Immediately. And you know what? I I didn't have this part ruined for me. Apparently this is like a meme. Uh, but I f- had forgotten that Elijah Wood was in it. Oh, I you forgot about this? this I think about this. No. Every- I wake up in a cold sweat <sighs> at three in the morning thinking about this sequence. This happens, this is this happens post- in like a minute and a half. This is post-Lord of the Rings Elijah Wood. This yes. is an Elijah Wood who... Capital D did not have to do this. <laughs> he didn't have to do this, but he did it. <laughs> it's it's just such it's so confusing from a narrative perspective. This is another thing that makes you feel like they had to have cut something from this movie. They had to have cut like significant parts out of this movie because And this was just their part their like their compromise. Yeah, because the 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 guy subplot goes absolutely nowhere ends with this character like it's like oh it turns out Junie's not this he's not the guy and this other guy who i guess is the guy shows up and then dies immediately and then no one ever mentions it again no no one sa- no one says like hey Junie, i guess you were the real guy or hey i guess there was no guy we never needed a guy we yeah, just needed we family just needed fr- friendship and in in the end it turns out to be like yeah we needed family but like they don't bring it back to the idea of like and you also you didn't need to be the guy yeah it, it, it just what i did think it was funny the way they killed elijah wood in like 15 it's seconds it's hilarious but like to what end you know i i i really liked it be solely because i i saw him show up and saw him like open the door and i'm like wouldn't it be funny if he just like dies immediately <laughs> and, and i had totally I didn't, didn't i didn't i didn't it didn't even occur to me that they would have the 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 audacity to just do that because it wouldn't make any sense for them to do it no, and then they did it if, and i said if, oh if that's stupid if they did it and it was to like prove a point or to like pivot into like you know another plot point or to like shade the the film's emotional themes but they don't he just shows up and opens a door for them and then gets fucking murked and then that's it <laughs> it's 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 bizarre it's a bizarre film i was taken by it it is it's so hard to describe just the way that it looks this movie simultaneously lacks all sort of tension and also makes me so goddamn uncomfortable at the same time. How does it do it? I was, How does a movie... This movie captured my attention. I was, I was, I was, you know, usually a lot with a lot of these movies, I'm like checking the, I'm checking the fucking timer at the bottom, seeing how much longer I have to watch fucking Mortal Kombat or whatever the fuck. This movie fucking tuned in whole time i was i was enraptured by this movie remember when he he goes into the video game he stands up and he goes man everything in here is computer generated and then he looks up and he says pogo toads yeah and there's a bunch of toads on pogo sticks yeah it's a good movie. It's a great it's, movie. It's, it's a it's a good movie. Before we started the podcast, I uh, Mark was telling me I was asking me if this was going to be another episode where we start out and Mark doesn't like the movie, and I secretly convince him that it's good. <laughs> I I I refuse to actually to <laughs> fu- fully make the jump here. This movie was it's bad. I, no, it's not a good I, movie, but it's I think it's a good shitty movie. I I don't so I. I guess the the best that could be said for this movie is that it's a good shitty movie. I think that Spy Kids 1 is just a good 
movie full stop sure um however i haven't seen it since i was a child but the fact that i remember it so strongly it, it can't possibly be that bad because i can remember a lot from it what are we watching next week I think we decided on um, Jesse Pinkman stars in. Uh, wait, what's his real name? Fuck. Nate Nathan. Nope. Nope. Mac, Max. Oh Carl. my god! I know this. It's so obvious. But, He's very what? good. Spiky hair, Magoo. Aaron white Paul. Guy. Aaron Paul. Okay. The, uh, Aaron Todd from BoJack Horseman stars in Need for Speed. Need for Speed. Which- uh, as I understand it, is basically the Fast and the Furious, but with the name Need for Speed on it. That sounds like an okay movie. That sounds like a good way to kill, uh, hopefully, 90 minutes or less. I have heard it is capital <laughs> N, capital B, not bad. Uh, but that said, general movie audiences, generally immune to uh, explicit, disgusting misogyny. So it's always a roll of the dice with these. Michael Keaton's oh, in it. Yeah. You know, we didn't have to talk about politics a single goddamn no, second. This th- episode. Yeah. This movie, you know, uh, like kind of nice, you know, Junie having a crush on the girl is pretty lame. Uh, but, eh, eh. Yeah. That was the only thing of like, that was the only moment of like f- forced to watch heterosexuality yeah, uh, play out know, on screen, which is like, you know, the girl that's... character is the one that gets captured, you know, eh, there's not very mm-hmm. many female characters in it. All of the like video game nerd guys that Judy hangs out with, it's all dudes. Eh. As as you know, just to the to the listener, I just we just needed you guys to understand. We we are still uh, we're still uh, out there white knighting. Yeah, uh, this is still this is still a disgusting SJW podcast. Yeah, don't you goddamn forget we're, it. We're both still filthy socialists. Where can people find the podcast on the internet? Uh, follow us at Cartridge Cinema. It's funny, I, I just recently recommended this podcast to friends who don't know how like hardcore leftist and socialist I am, because all they do is play Smash with me. So, hey guys, <laughs> now, now you know. Um, uh, you should definitely um, listen to us on your preferred uh, podcast platform. We are available on all of the, the main ones, you know? We're on the Spotify we're on the iTunes, the Apple Music. We are on. Uh, shout out to the day ones. Uh, they can find us on SoundCloud. SoundCloud for fucking uh, life. <laughs> SoundCloud for life. I don't listen on SoundCloud. We 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 all know this, uh, but that's because I'm not a real one. Uh, for me, it was Tuesday. Cartridge Cinema Club is created by Mark Champlin and Alex Wallace, and is produced by Alex Wallace. The music is by DJ Tin Man. The art is by Courtney Kaufman.